This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm your host, Tyler Curran, joined as always by the man himself, Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, welcome. How are you, man? Hey, buddy. I'm good. I'm uh, just enjoying the nice fall weather, looking out across the road. My my uh, neighbors have pumpkins out, so uh, it's always a good sign. And I uh, had a beautiful weekend up in the mountains, uh, so it, it is... Uh, it's good to be in the fall, you know, from the oppressive heat that many people have had this summer. It's a welcome break for sure. How about you? How's everything over the, in Big Big D? Big D is not so bad, you know. Like uh, it's a little bit cooler here these days, and you know, you take that when you can get it. So, you know, that's kind of that's that's where we're at right now. We're not in the nineties, and that's that's a positive. That's a positive. No, good and, good uh, for you, man. Y'all have endured this one this summer, so. Good yeah, it's, it's it's that point where you're like, you know what? I think we've actually made it. I think I think we've done it. So, <laughs> over the hump, over the hump. That that inevitably uh, comes back to bite you. Uh, they say we have like eight seasons here in Texas, and one of those seasons is fake fall, um, where you where you think it's going to be fall, but it's not. You always get like a week of fake fall before actual fall kind of rolls around. So um, I think we're in real fall now, and that is that is a massive relief to me. Good for you. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Well, we should uh, we should introduce our guest, our first returning visitor to Straight Out of Crumpton. Is that right, Greg? The first time we've ever had someone come back. Yeah, uh, this lady was uh, an early victim of our uh, podcast, and and now she's back for a, a, another dose. Maybe it wore off. You know, she needed to come back and be reindoctrinated. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, maybe she forgot. She forgot what it was like to talk to two of us, um, you know, and uh, and now uh, now that that has, has completely worn off, she's she's decided to rejoin us. We're joined once again here on the podcast by Carrie Getz. Carrie, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I ain't scared. I'll come back twice. I'll come back <laughs> three times. Y'all are y'all are easy. <laughs> See, there you go. There you that go. Is, that is correct. Well, Carrie, glad to have you back. Um kind of a weird twist of fate how all this worked you know um you were talking last week to a mutual friend who was going to be here today and then she had a, a situation arise so you said hey put me in coach and uh, here we are so here we are well tell us what is going on with you uh we've we've you know as as we talked early in our podcast uh or career i guess you call it my career um you, you and I met through the, the critical facilities world, data centers and all that good stuff. And over the years, we've continued to stay in touch. And uh, as far as I know, we both still like each other, which is always a good thing. We do. Um, so <laughs> glad, glad, glad to have you back with us. But kind of give us a little snapshot of what you've been up to since we talked. And uh, I, I hear that you may have some major news to break for us today. I do actually have some major news. As of today, you can pre-order a new book on the industry. So as you know, women in the industry has been a passion of mine. Trades in the industry are a passion of mine. I mean, we owe everything to the trades. If it weren't for the trades, none of us would have a job because literally nothing would get built. So I really kind of, this year has sort of been a year of giving back. I've done a lot of mentorship. I've done a lot of things to help other women in the industry. Um, I kind of started when the Rona hit 
because there were so many people kind of displaced and and really trying to sort out where they are and and really especially these poor girls and, and people, um, not just women, that started jobs in the middle of this silly pandemic. Like what a horrible way to get initiated over a computer for a job that you're probably not even, I, I know people that still haven't met their boss, but you know, we have a critical sh skill shortage in this industry and we certainly are not even remotely close to gender parity. We don't, we don't have the attraction and attention of this industry because nobody knows what it is. As much as we talk about data centers, you have the big data center cities. They clearly know what it is because there's data centers there, right? But outside of that, people don't realize the depth and breadth of this whole mission critical industry and all of the supporting industries. And so I thought, well, maybe there's a book or something that I can start sponsoring for some of these coding academies. And I look and there's literally nothing out there. There's nothing that gives that short snapshot of this is what the industry is. This is what it does. I found a couple things that were sort of facilities only, but I wanted one that really talks about, hey, look, if you want to be involved, this is what a data center is. This is the site selection stuff. This is telecommunications, power considerations, sustainability. This is all the things to pick your site. And then once you pick your site, this is all the stuff that goes in it. And, you know, I went in and covered cloud and colo and power and cooling and the IT load and networking and server placement and cabinet placement, just kind of an all around synopsis with the idea that we'll get more people in the industry, A, if they know what it is, B, for veterans that are coming back to civilian duty, their spouses and kids, I've been working to bring them in the industry. There's some great organizations there. There's some scholarships and just to have one place to kind of put it all together so that people want to start on this journey have a place to start and kind of know what they're doing. Or, you know, take a, a young person starting out. They're going to go job interview with a data center for their first job. The only other book for them out there to figure out what that job was going to be or to be able to ask intelligent questions on the interview is an 800 page textbook. Nobody's going to digest that before an interview unless they're a speed reader. Gary, it, it still baffles me that here we are in 2022 and we still have a problem finding material like you, you, you looked for it and couldn't find it, not just on the data center piece of our trade, but trades in general, A, and then, uh, you know, B, those that are suitable for everyone, male, female, whoever. Um, and when you sent me the table of contents last week and I was looking through it, I'm like, man, this is really uh, robust in the in the scope that which you attack this because you know being an insider you know we think a little bit differently about all the different little silos in each vertical and you did a really good job of being able to, to parse that out so with in my thought was as people are reading this book they're going to go wow I didn't know that existed inside of that, you know, like they didn't know how, how deep that onion peel went uh, until they are able to read this forthcoming book. But I really do applaud you for what you're doing. Um, you know, just from a, from a friend, to friend uh, relationship is, is remarkable. And, you know, a lot of people talk about doing a book or writing a book and never get there, but you have gotten there. Um, so really I've also gotten grayer. <laughs> well, yeah, 
as, as you see, I have that problem as well. But um, I'm I'm super excited to get this out because they're they're uh, and I was watching a podcast or, or a uh, a little piece of a clip yesterday from a guy. Um, I'll think of his name in a minute, but he was ta- he's a he's a carpenter. And he was talking about the gap in, in carpentry skills. That happens to be his, you know, piece of the world. And he was thinking about, man, we've got to go back early into childhood and find these kids early. You know, like we're, we're talking about uh, juniors and seniors in high school, but he's going back, you know, all the way to when kids still play with dump trucks while they're fascinated by the industry and I was able to connect him up with uh, Jamie McMillan up in Canada, who has a uh, an affiliation with a coloring book company about trades and coloring books and, and starting that brain development early um, about trades so that we're not playing catch up forever. So um, just there, there's definitely a need. Um, and uh, I hope that more and more people will buy your book and share it. You know, that's the goal. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you think about, um, you know, the easiest way to, to spread the word is by putting your, your butt in motion and buying 50 books and giving those 50 books out to 50 possible people or, uh, families of 50 people who may need this information because the dinner table or, or the new dinner table, which is, I guess the coffee table, uh, that's where these conversations are happening. You know, kids are coming in. Um, they're talking to their parents or parent about what to do. And uh, by having a tool like yours, you know, I, I hope it will be an easier conversation. So um, I, I'm really curious about the process. How did you go through this and did you interview people or give give us a little uh, behind the curtain look at the book process itself and how you got there? Yeah. So, you know, luckily I've been in this industry for a little over 40 years in some shape, form or fashion. So that gave me a really big, broad background, plus being, you know, doing data center projects all over the globe and helping to write a lot of the standards. So I had a pretty good background, but my background really came in, in sort of an unconventional way because when I started in this industry, it wasn't an industry, <laughs> right? It was mainframes and system 36s and AS 400s and PCs were just starting out. There was no such thing as networking. So I got to learn a lot as I went on, but then there's some amazing people in this industry. And I think what people forget is that these people are highly approachable. If you ask them a question, they'll fill it in. And then, of course, you know, doing your own research. And I think probably as women, we tend to overdo things um, just to be even because it's it's just kind of we feel like we're playing catch up because there's so few of us in the industry. Although there's definitely more than there used to be. But, you know, just specifically to that, you know, finding those mentors, finding those sponsors. There's a section on that, too. You know, how to find the right ones. But this is really just a culmination of a ton of very kind people in the industry that have been nice enough to answer questions and help figure things out. And, you know, sitting in on the standards processes and figuring out how they work and how those things come about. So it's it's under my name, but there's definitely a forward in there that that imparts a lot of thanks to all the people in the industry. And then I had it peer reviewed by some folks in the industry and 
said, you know, is there anything glaringly missing? Are we missing the boat? Because what well, what I tried to do was sort of touch on everything and all the way around the industry, because people don't realize how vast it is, literally how vast it is. And so, you know, I want this to be enough so that people have that that understanding of flow and how the ecosystem works and what everything is that fits inside that ecosystem. And then hopefully instead of leaving the industry, if people don't like where they are, they go to a different part of the industry or they go somewhere where their skills are applicable and can cross over and, you know, pick something else in the industry that might really light their fire. But I think right now we're, we're at a very tricky spot because a lot of kids have gotten very disenfranchised with college over COVID. Right? Why am I paying $74,000 to look at a screen? And how come my friend over here doesn't have college debt and he's working? And so I think one piece that's missing out of this industry is a lot of these companies will do tuition reimbursement. All you got to do is start. You've got to have a job in the industry. If college is in your future and you want to do that, why not have it be paid? multi-billion dollar companies that have this as a benefit. Use it. So we've got scholarship resources in there, all kinds of things in there really to help people kind of jumpstart. But I think everybody should have a job doing what they love, regardless of the level. And if you think about college degrees in this country, the last time I checked, 31% of adults have a four-year better college degree in this country. So we're not going to fill all these jobs with that. And, if, and, and there's a big push in this industry for diversity and inclusion. And I would absolutely argue that if you have somebody college trained and you have somebody that's a craftsman that's very good at their, with their hands, they're going to approach the same problem from two very different directions. Because the one that works with their hands is kind of a reach and get it. No, I can fix this kind of person. While the other one might be more logical and methodical. And so I think we have to have all of these talents. You know, tech represents literally every person on earth. We should have all of that influence within tech and not just along racial lines or gender lines, along all those lines, how people were educated, East Coast, West Coast, Asian, um, you know, Hispanic, whatever. All of those cultures are very important, too. But I think how we approach it as a workforce that's where you get the innovation, where people think differently and you can bounce ideas respectfully off of each other. You know, that's where innovation comes from. Well, I think that that's the people, uh, the, the mixing bowl or, or mixing pot that America was founded on is having all those different influences and in creating our own narrative. And I think that the industry does a good job of that. You know, you, you mentioned it uh, early while ago when you're talking that there was a lot of people uh, involved that gave you the knowledge uh, to be able to craft the book, uh, not to not to mention the fortitude you have to to do it. Uh, industry, not just book, but it takes a it takes the village, you know, because there are so many different ways of doing it. Um, you know, I just got an email. We're talking about people and and how widespread this is. A good friend of mine who uh, is a New Yorker, went to Charlotte for a while and worked for many years in the data center world. And now he lives in Denmark doing the same thing for them over there. So there's just such a broad aspect of the whole thing. Um, and then one more point, Carrie, that, that you mentioned um, with the, the DE&I 
in, in the women uh, in the industry. I just finished a really good book. Uh, it's called You Should Smile More. Um, and it's written by six women. Uh, and they talk about gender bias in the workplace and how deep rooted we are in thinking that. And, and this is so crazy, but electrical theory has nothing to do with anything but theory. And for us to automatically assume that an electrician is a guy is just flawed thinking. But that is our norm um, or has been uh, our norm forever. And being able just to to be open enough to have that mental, um, you know, uh, facility, I guess, to say, hey, this is a an electrician regardless of gender um, it's really, uh, it's enlightening to me as a, as a nearly 60 year old guy. Um, but a great book, if you ever want to read that, uh, just six different perspectives boiled down into one voice was pretty cool to go through. And it talks about a lot of the things that you're talking about, you know, that overdoing it, um, because you're going to, you want to win. You know, you want to make it. You want to be accepted. And the 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 ladies in the book talk about that, you know, that insatiable drive to keep going and keep going when a hundred's not good enough on the test score. You know, there's got to be something beyond. And uh, just a good book on that whole topic. So I'm anxious to uh, to read uh, what, what all you've got crafted. Uh, how many pages is the book? I worked really hard to keep it under 200 pages. Um, oh, cool. and I did that very specifically because once once you get an idea of a subject, you, there's an internet, right? <laughs> you get all the research you want. But what? So the target audience for this book would be anybody thinking about coming into the industry or wanting to learn about the industry. So coding academies, high school students, trade schools. Um, technology centers, people starting out of the industry that want a broader idea of what the industry is. So when they sit down in a meeting, they don't look like a deer in the headlights when subjects come up that aren't in that particular silo you were talking about, you know, that's their own little silo. So they have that broader picture. And, you know, people starting out with new companies. Here's a, you know, you're going to sell fire equipment into data centers. What's a data center? Here, read this book. So I wanted it to be digestible in a couple days. Somebody thinking about going on an interview or about to interview in the data center. How awful is it that they go to an interview and they're not prepared to even ask intelligent questions except about a single company? So what if they could ask questions about the broader industry as a whole? Where do you fit in this ecosystem? What's your channel like? What are your procurement channels? How does that work? There's, there's, um, a section in there on procurement, on project management, on root cause analysis. Some of those buzzwords that you hear flip around, it's enough to give somebody a full kind of basic level understanding. Then they can go get more in depth and there may be more books to follow depending on how good this one does, right? Um, to include that. But I just wanted something that actually included both the facility side and the IT side because it doesn't exist. And, and data centers are vast. They're all over. They're all different sizes. They're all different layouts. And anybody that tells you there's a one size fits all, turn around and walk away because there's not. Absolutely not. And so, you know, these jobs are everywhere. With Edge, they're literally going to be everywhere. 
Well, that's what I was about to say. You know, anybody that says one size fits all has never looked up what an edge data center is um, hanging off the side of a telephone pole, you know, at an intersection or buried in a basement somewhere. You just, you don't know. Do you know Mara Fowler? I do. Yeah. Okay. Great lady. Because she is a fantastic lady. And uh, she sent me a note the other day where she wanted to talk about the same effort that you're doing locally uh, as she works in the Charlotte metro area. Uh, to try to build the groundswell. So it just happened to pop in my mind when we're talking about people. and You know, these colos that do student tours and stuff, have a few on your on your coffee table. Hand them out to the students as they walk through your facility or send them out a week before. So then when they walk through your facility, they can ask intelligent questions. You know, I know there's five different kinds of cooling, right, or six, whatever there is. Which, which one are you guys using and what are the benefits? Why did you pick that? And then go pick one in a different location. And I think the other side, too, is people forget how sexy this industry can be. I've got four million miles under my belt that I can count doing projects all over the globe. If you want to see the world, if you want to go to different places, this is a great industry to do that. If you want to stay home and work in a single location area, you can do that, too. I mean, there's something literally for everybody. If you want to work remotely, there's jobs for that, too. So I think just the understanding, you know, it's hard to recruit somebody to something you don't know. Like if somebody came up to me and said, hey, Carrie, I want you to go apply for a job as a rocket scientist. Well, I know that you like something and the thing goes in the air. <laughs> and I know they don't leave them up there, so they come back down. But I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know enough to even go sit down at a rocket science company and feel comfortable in that interview. And I think everybody deserves that chance to be armed with enough information to feel intelligent on an interview. You're going to present yourself better. You're going to do a much better job sussing out if that job is is worth it for you or a good fit for you, as well as the company, you know? Well, that that's so right. And, uh, you know, when, when you're describing it, it's almost like data center 101, um, and I was working on a little slideshow this morning for a friend who is creating uh, a little in-house program for he, he works at a company. Uh, there's a lot of young ladies that are customer service reps and they're in the HVAC world. And he's helping them uh, understand the basics of what what does this mean and what does that mean? And why can't you do this until you do that? Um, so. You know, I kind of drew that parallel What when you were describing that. That's what he's trying to do is give them enough to get them interested and to be able to answer a question, but enough to go dig deeper if they, if they so choose. So, Yeah, I think, too, you know that saying there's no stupid questions? There's not a person on earth that doesn't feel like they don't ask stupid questions, even though there really aren't any, right? So I, I think it's just much kinder to give people better information or at least enough information where they can feel included instead of sitting as a bystander on the sidelines. No, that makes that makes sense. Cause I've asked all the stupid questions. I Me think. too. I got it. I got it. <laughs> That's how I, I can write a, a book. I asked all a, the stupid questions. I've got a few more written down here. So all right. So tell us the name of the book. The name is Jumpstart Your Careers in Data Centers, featuring careers for women, trades, and vets in tech. And I pulled those out separately because anybody that served our country deserves a damn good job when they get out. Their spouses have a particularly hard time 
finding jobs because they move around because of deployments. Um, so I do a good bit of work with them in the U.S. Chamber of Commerce trying to get spouses of veterans um, employed and, and do a good bit of work with Salute Mission Critical that's doing the same thing. Um, trades, because I, I think the trades have gotten a bad rap over the years. I think, you know, there are people, if you look at the craftsmanship, like for anybody listening, go out and Google data center piping, just that. And and you'll see the craftsmanship and the artistry and, and even cable, look up cable porn. That's another good one. You know, see how people dress in those cables and the pride in their work and, and the trades are amazing. And then I would say one thing farther about the trades. Not only do I think that we've done a really horrible job of uplifting a very necessary segment of this population, but when we talk about bringing technology to third world countries and places where that technology exists, you can't go to those countries and say, I have a great idea. We're going to bring all these jobs to you. It's going to enhance your life. Give me four years. And, and most people don't finish college in four years. Most people finish college in five. And so why don't we give them the tools to start in these careers and let them build their careers just like all the rest of us did, right? There weren't no data center curriculums when we got in there. You could get IT, you could take an MIS career. You know, there was a few, but there wasn't, and there still are very few data center um, curriculums in college. So people are learning about this in capstone projects or other things. So anyway, that's why I picked the trades, because I think it's it's highly critical. It's a way to get into the industry. Certifications, I'm a huge fan. Matter of fact, most companies that hire somebody with degrees outside of the industry, send them to those same certification classes. So why not start there? Let those people grow their career in a way that's paid for by an employer. The employer has a much more loyal employee because they've invested in their future. and they're not going to job hop because they have $100,000 in student loans and that company is going to pay them a dollar more an hour, right? So you're building up loyalty within your workforce, which is very critical. And then, um, so that's vets, that's trades and women because, like I said, you know, we are 51% of the population and we are nowhere close to that as far as being employees. And for all the women that have jumped out of the industry because they were so disgruntled or upset before, please come back. It's not the same industry for women that it was even five years ago. It's a much more supportive structure. Women definitely look out for other women in the industry. So I really picked those out. But the book is for anybody that's coming into the industry or just wanting to learn about it or think about the industry. Well, I'm I'm really excited by it. Um, you're, you're hitting all my hot buttons, you know, because... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm passionate about data centers. I'm passionate about the trades, as you know, and um, it, we're in such a transitional uh, at a such a transitional point in our country of having enough people to do the work that's required. And you you said it really well. I don't even know if you knew what you said, but we have to have people that can do things, not just use things. Um, I was watching a little bit of Mike Rowe last night on uh, the Building America series that he does on Fox. I love him, yeah. As a matter of fact, he's a target for um, some of the scholarship money that's coming out of there. So a portion of the proceeds from this book is going to go to fund scholarships. And 
I took a little bit different approach with the way that we're funding scholarships and stuff. So the scholarships will go towards the trades, um, certainly towards veterans causes and then bringing technology to third world countries. And um, certainly some of that will go to like the iMasons scholarship fund because they do some with certifications and all. But I, but I intentionally did not pick the college scholarship as the only pathway for the same reasons I wrote this book for exactly what you said. We need people that can do everything, not just look at the technology, but everybody needs to be represented. So, you know, this is this is definitely a way to give back to an industry that has given me so much over the years. Well, you're, you're to be commended for it. And I, I think that you you're going to wind up as a, a pioneer in it um, because it's only going to it's only going to perpetuate. We have to keep doing this. We have to have people uh, that are invested in investing in the future. You know, it's like you got to build it and then they will come. I think people like you and what you're doing and others are building it so that we can bring in that grassroots and then grow it from there. Because it's not a it's not a one uh, generation fix. This is a, a multi-generation fix. But this is where it starts, you know, baby boomers seeing the issue and working their tails off to try to get the next generation to follow suit so that we keep building that bench strength as we go. Well, and, you know, I've read all these reports that say within the next two years, a third of our workforce is going to gray out and retire. You know, and within the next five years, I want to be button sand beer in hand my own self. Right. So <laughs> this is a way to kind of pay those things forward and, and help that next generation, because I don't think people realize just how critical our talent shortage is. Well, the, and we, we I actually quoted this on this uh, podcast maybe a year or so ago, but there was a politician and I can't remember who it was, but it was a lady uh, uh, maybe a senator that was on camera and she said, we don't know how bad this is until you realize you can't get something fixed at your house. Like maybe she was talking about power or plumbing or air. Or I don't remember, but it really hit close to home for her when she called this repair needed and couldn't get anybody out there for three weeks. And you think about what's going on in Florida right now. Um, in other parts of the country, but Florida, especially with the hurricane that just came through, how many homes and businesses are without power, plumbing, and air, uh, internet, any kind of any kind of trades-related utility that simply is going to be delayed in getting back online because there's simply not enough people to do the work and. Uh, there's not enough freaking equipment to replace all those damaged pieces of air conditioning. And if you had the skills, you, you know, you, or, or the skilled trades people in place, you still can't get equipment because of this crazy, uh, whatever we're calling it right now, where you can't get equipment. Um, I'm, I'm having a moment. Supply of chain senior. crisis. Supply yes, chain. Thank you. Yes. I had a, I had a Biden moment there. Um, but it's really scary uh, when we think about how impacted many people can be when, and it comes, you know, to a head when you have a, a crisis like we had down in Florida. But um, 
it doesn't take much of that. And you start really realizing that, you know, when you place a call and can't get help, that's when it really hits you. Or, you know, to your point, Carrie, all the data centers, when we have delayed projects because of labor shortages and people are investing millions and millions of dollars and a project has to go, uh, you know, dark for a few weeks because you're waiting on crews. And um, that just drives the overall cost up, you know. Look, look at what happened yesterday in Loudoun County uh, in Virginia. That was you a know. surprise, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and for y'all who don't know, they, they have suspended uh, handing out building permits, essentially. And part of that, I mean, as I understand it from people up there, you know, there's not enough power distribution going on either right now. There's a multi billion dollar power transmission project that's underway that's three years away from being completed. So not only have they used all their capacity, now they've stopped the the growth of the economy locally because of these issues. So it's just a big mess. Uh, But we'll see what happens with that. But it's going to happen elsewhere. You know, we're going to outpace it. And I, and I would arguably say it's probably better that it happens elsewhere. Um, you know, I've always been a little bit worried about these concentrations of data centers. I know it's convenient for power and cooling and tax breaks and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that pulls a ton of resources to an area and leaves voids in other areas. So, you know, the more we can spread those out, I think the better off we're going to be from a risk perspective, from a lot of perspectives. And if there was a major event in Loudoun County right now, do we have enough trucks to get diesel to all those folks? I mean, you know, natural gas needs to be part of that. I think if you're going to build that much capacity, there needs to be a lot of planning. And, and maybe it's good that they put the halt on it for a minute until they can sort that out. Yeah, I don't I don't think they had a choice, Gary, you know, watching it develop. And I drive through there a good bit because we have several companies in that D.C. market. And uh, it's just crazy what happens. But um I know we're so we're 40, 40 some odd minutes into our gig. I just uh Tyler's laughing because he knows I always look at the clock and I'm always surprised every every time. But he's always surprised um, and then always blames me. And uh, you know. Well, you've been unusually quiet today. I think you're in the definitely soaking it in mode right now. So would you like to expose on what you've learned and, and give us some thought provoking thoughts? <laughs> Man, thought Thought-provoking thoughts, um, of which I have very few. Uh, but you know, <laughs> what I one one thing I did find interesting that that Carrie was talking about was talking about people, especially at the beginning of this conversation, talking about the people who started during the pandemic. And I, I've I've always been so so curious just about how those two years really. Um, will impact work moving forward. And I, that that's that's the area that I really zoned in on, I guess, was just that that idea that people who started during the pandemic might have never met their boss, maybe never have met any of the business leaders of their company, uh, their direct manager have never met in person, things like that. That's just so foreign to me. And five years ago, I don't think that anybody really would have considered that to be a common occurrence, but now it is. And I'm I'm wondering about what the long-term effects of that will be and how long that's sustainable. I don't know. I'm I'm endlessly fascinated by how the last few years will... You want to hear my little um, personal prediction? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that a lot of these people are going to have to come back to work because there are multi-million dollar office buildings that cannot stand decay just by lack of use. Um, plus, I think there's there's a culture that you miss when your people are all remote. It's hard to bring them into the fold, which is a, a plus and a minus. Right. There's also the plus side. You remember the there was one particular company that said they were going to bring all their employees back, and they said that that was racist to bring all their employees back to a single location because you get the group think. And I think people sometimes can think better on their own. So I think some of that's going to be hybrid. But I do think we're going to start seeing some data centers pop up in some of these office buildings where there's all that additional space because we need more data centers. And in a lot of these cities, the capacity is already laid out. It's it's fixed. It's finite. It's not going anywhere. So companies like, you know, Edgevana started out talking about reusing pieces of, of people's data centers for edge applications. But I think we're going to see some of these office buildings turn into data centers. I think that because of cloud spend, uh, you know, and, and the fact that it's not a fixed number on the bottom line, that some stuff is going to be repatriated. I know quite a few companies that are doing that. So those might turn into some local data centers. But I do think that the quality of work-life balance and how we work is definitely never going to be the same after the COVID. I think people are going to demand hybrid schedules. If your kid is sick, you know, it was a big push for a lot of years. We can't have people working remotely because they're just going to go home and, you know, get barefoot and, and drink booze all day and whatever companies thought that people were going to do. And they found out that the worst thing that came out of this is that we developed the business mullet, which is work a tire on the top, jammies on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. But I do think, you know, I do think that a lot of these people are going to be expected to come back. And I think there's going to be a big shift in the workforce because not all those people are going to want to come back. There's a lot of people, for instance, that move out of Silicon Valley because the cost there that are living somewhere else in the country with the expectation that they would be able to stay remote and, and they may or may not come back for whatever reason. So I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a shift. I, I'm that's, that's really fascinating to think about and, and big box stores, I think are great opportunities to, to build some colo or, or uh, cloud sites as well, because you got concrete floors, you got heavy utilities. So there's a lot there to talk about. Hotels are another good one. They use very little capacity, their own cells, but they've got it built out. And, you know, you could put a containerized data center in their parking lot. Yeah. So I mean, there's point. lots of places that can be built out. But fo focusing for a minute back on the hybrid uh, in our in our last couple of minutes, the hybrid work model. Um, I think, my opinion only, that the people that screw off at home are the same people that screwed off at the office. They just hit, they just don't have to hide it now, you know, like it made quiet quitting a thing though. Yeah, exactly. Have you heard but, that term lately? Oh yeah. Everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> but we've all known the person that you work with that totally does nothing and looks really busy and they got the screen filter on so you can't see what they're looking at, but you know, damn well that they're not, you know, hustling like some others are. So there's always going to be that element of our workforce that just is, you know, they're just not killing it like the rest of the people. And, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about it, but 
I think people who enjoy working and work for the right reasons are going to do that, whether they're at home or not. Exactly. And I think some of those people that are not productive in their job are probably just because they're not in the right job. Right. So if you're disgusted, if you're just not in it, you're not feeling it. We've all had those days. It doesn't matter how much you love your job. You had those days where you're just not feeling it. Well, if you're not feeling it, go find another job. And I think that's kind of the point is there's a million of them in this industry. All you have to do is go sign up for a trade magazine and read all the specialties down there and all the products you might be interested in ticking on. Those are all jobs. Every one of those. It's a manufacturing job. It's a sales job. It's a pre-sales engineer job. It's, a, you know, all of HR, accounting, all of those things apply to every single one of those jobs, project management, product management. So I think, you know, if we take those people and we can kind of, it's expensive to turn somebody over, right? It's a hundred thousand bucks normally to flip a person. If they're in sales, it could be significantly more depending on how big a ticket item that is. So maybe we just figure out ways to take these people that are quiet quitting and find a better job for them. And if not, then maybe they're not the best person for you. And maybe you're not the best employer for them because clearly there's a mismatch, right? But um but I do think exposure helps a lot of that because there's a lot of people that I talk to in this industry that know what they do. And that's it, you know, to your silo comment. And they they don't really understand how they fit in. And even people starting out like, you know, somebody that has a networking degree goes in and starts working in a data center. They don't realize if they if there's something wrong with a network or they pick the wrong equipment. That has an impact on power and cooling and floor space and weight and all of those things in the room. And so I think that, um, you know, having that broader scope hopefully will help some of those people. But there are some of those people that are just going to be those people. They can just stay in the damn corner, I guess. But there you go. You they know, can quiet quit on their own time. <laughs> you, you think about um, you, you brought up something that really has always struck me is when somebody plugs in a cat five or cat six cable into something or they connect their Wi-Fi device to an internet uh, to the network, how many different disciplines and trades are touched until that screen renders what they're looking for? It is freaking crazy to think about. Exactly. So I, I think that, that, uh, you, your word was really good. The awareness, the exposure. I think we're getting there. Um, all right. So last thing, how do we buy this dang book? So I will send you a link. It's available for pre-order right now on Amazon, which is, you know, kind of the definitive. So it will be available. Um, it's available, like I said, for pre-order paperback, hardcover and Kindle. It'll be in all formats. And if anybody wants to buy copies, have them signed, create a book signing, or just buy a bunch of copies, you know, if you're a colo and put them out there for when you have students visit and that kind of stuff, we certainly encourage that. We hope that, you know, this is taken in the spirit that it was written and that it is very much a giving back project. We hope people find it useful. It's not going to be 100% of everything. Um, certainly trying to keep it under 200 pages set that limit a little bit, but also just, you know, I didn't want to inundate people with too much stuff. It's already like drinking from a fire hose. We just want to slow that down and make it like when we were kids and you drank out of the garden hose, right? There you go. So. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Well, Carrie, it is, uh, as always, so good to 
catch up with you and hear all the cool things you're working on. But this, I think, is the, the cherry on top of the Sunday right here, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope it does well. And, and thanks for the exposure. May, may I uh, post your link that you're going to send me to share you with the world? You absolutely may. Okay. And thank you very so I'm much. Gonna, I'm going to buy Tyler a hardcover for Christmas. There you go. There I you love go. it. All right, Tyler. Well, here we are. Top of the hour, brother. It, I know. It, it does fly by. It really does. And it you've really got does. a lot of other things, too, because I see people distracting you all morning. We're going to have to darken your glass, maybe. I know. I need a, I, I don't know what I'm, I, I can do about this. Maybe I'll put a mannequin in this chair so people come in and just talk to that. Um, and then I can go hide somewhere else and do these things. But You could stick an out-of-office sticker on your forehead. <laughs> that, that would then welcome the jokes of well tyler's brain is kind of always out of office which is, mo is mostly true but you know we'll we'll get that we'll get that all see if they out. have those conversations outside of your office then they're not bugging you <laughs> that's, that's man it's those kinds of insights is why you need to pick up this book um you're not going to find that anywhere else. No, but uh, excellent, excellent stuff. Carrie, thank you once again for, for being our first repeat um, guest here on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Greg, another fantastic episode, man, uh, in the books and uh, more to come as always. Yeah, it was fun. And, and what was really fun about it was the serendipity of it, you know, just kind of like it just all clicked and the timing and the date and all that good stuff just worked. So Really, it, it, yeah. I mean, it's like you couldn't you couldn't script it, and we didn't. So there you go. But uh, definitely fun. So we'll do some more fun stuff coming up, Tyler. We got a, a calendar full of stuff, my man. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So everyone out there, stay tuned. Best way to do that, visit uh, Straight Out of Crumpton on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or on gregcrumpton.com. Buy Carrie's book, pre-order it on Amazon, and stay tuned for more episodes. But for this one, for everyone that was a part of this episode, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.